Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. I invite you to go in your Bibles this morning. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, and as we come to this text, so far in our Divine Rescue series, we have come through the Exodus and through the Red Sea, and then Stephen guided us as we were in the wilderness travels and the complaining and the serpents, and, and look was the command given from the Lord, look to this serpent, the snake on a stick, look to that serpent, and you will be healed. And it wasn't the serpent that healed them. It was the word of God and the power of God. Today, we are moving through now opening. Moses has passed off the scene. And on comes the next leader. On comes uh, Joshua, God's appointed leader. And so now they have come across the Jordan River. God miraculously stopped the flow of that river. They've come through that. They're on the other side. And now they're facing the first pinnacle city of the entire land of Canaan. And this is Jericho. And how God goes about delivering his people is instructive for us. Why are we looking back into the Old Testament? Why do we look into the New Testament 2,000 years ago completed? Well, Paul wrote Romans 15, verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And we are living in a day when hope is hard to be found. Maybe you're here this morning and that's why you're here. You're living life and you're hopeless at this time. So what do we learn from these Israelites? What do we learn from even their successes, their failures, how they trust in the Lord, how they didn't trust in the Lord, so that we can grow in Christ-likeness, so that we can grow in trusting the Lord? Joshua chapter 6, here's the account. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Verse 3, Joshua 6. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once, Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests, shall, uh, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, 
and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. Verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp, and they spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once and they returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her household shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers, and all who belonged to her. And they brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time saying, 
Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. This is the word of the Lord. So what then do we learn from this? What does the Lord graciously give to his people? What does he give to us? It's always, he's always working for our good and for his glory. We read this Old Testament account and these things are written for us. They're not written to us. It's not about us. It's about them. It's about what God did through them. It's about God. And so we can look back and we cross the cultural barrier and we cross, cross the language barrier and we cross a time barrier and we see what happened then and what did God say and what did they do. And you, did you see how many times these accounts were repeated in the one chapter? It was elongated. It was intensified. It was drawn out for a reason. First of all, the Lord gives to us, just like he did to his people, humanly impossible situations. Humanly impossible situations. And the question for you, the question for me, the question for all of us is, so how will I respond then? Do I respond in fear or do I respond in faith? How will we respond? Because we all face humanly impossible situations. Jericho, there in the land of Canaan, was the point city. It was the key city. There will be a map come up on the screen, and you can see where Jericho lied. So they came out of Egypt. They went down to the south. We, pat, we walked through that. Red, the Red Sea just isn't even on our screen. They came through. So they went the long way around. They go all the way around the Dead Sea. They crossed the Jordan River, and now they're between that dot, Jericho, and the Dead Sea, and the Jordan River, and this is the key city of the central campaign. There would be a central campaign that Joshua would carry out, then he would go south, and then he would go north. Three campaigns of the conquest. Archaeologists have dug into this city, and they believe this city is, you know, ancient city. This city is too big to fail. We've been here for thousands of years. They believe it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest city on planet Earth. Jericho. So the people in that city would have had a reason to think, we're good. We've been good for a long time. This band of misfits coming across, you know, our ter terrain here out in the plain, they have no weapons to go against us. That's a current aerial photo of Jericho, the ancient city. They estimate that that raised area is about eight to ten acres. All right, so just, just put your mind around this. Our property, where we plan to build, God willing and God providing, is about 10 acres. So it's shaped a little differently, but that area, that key part of the fortress, is about 10 acres. It's not that large. Not that difficult to march around at a safe distance. There's an illustration of Jericho that someone has lined out with the, the two walls where the outer wall, they believe, was six feet thick and the inner wall was 12 feet thick. 
that they were able to put houses on timbers between those wall, walls and even in those walls where we get Rahab's houses actually in the walls. Now someone has taken and blended uh, the, the draw-up, the mock-up image over a satellite image, an aerial image, not a satellite, but an aerial image to kind of get an idea of present day what it looks like and what that city would have looked like possibly in that day when Israel came across the Jordan and they're looking at this city. It's sitting up in elevation, which is always a disadvantage. If you're coming against a city and they have the advantage over you vertically and they have walls six feet, 12 feet thick, unless you have some major technology you're going to have trouble getting in there but we read from scripture that the inhabitants of that city were filled with fear they were gripped with fear they were afraid for their lives but they were trusting in their security system they were trusting in, well, this is the way it's always been. These are our walls, and we've always been okay. I'm sure we'll be okay this time, but they were still afraid. In, Josh, in Joshua 6, he goes through and he says, the people, nobody went in, nobody was going out. It is completely shut up inside and outside. This is descriptive of a fortress. It's on lockdown. No one's going anywhere. Because they realize there's only a few ways that we can be defeated. There's only a few ways. There they are in fear. They're inside of these walls. They've heard of what has happened in Egypt and through the Red Sea. And they watched them come across the Jordan. And so they're panicking. About 350 letters have been found. And they're known as the Amarna letters. They found them in Egypt, and they were letters written from Canaanite kings and leaders sent because in this time there was so much confusion out in the land of Canaan, so many different little city-states and groups, tribes, and, and they didn't really get along. There wasn't, they weren't united under a leader, but they, Egypt's power was, was limited because of what had happened in Egypt 40 years before. But these are some of the letters that were written about 1380 B.C., and they were written to Egypt trying to get help. And they, these letters describe the unrest, the upheaval, the, the political climate, the fear of, of marauding bands that would come through in Canaan. And they would write to Pharaoh. One of these letters that they found in an archaeological dig, it says this way in the Amarna letters, here is from one leader to the leader of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt. I am a loyal covenant partner seeking your help. If you do not help or provide resources to me, this city-state may be taken over by someone who is not loyal to you. It almost sounds like some of the Psalms when we read them. When you read the Psalms and the psalmist says, what good is it if I go into the grave, then you lose someone praising you on earth. It's this, it's this situation where they're saying, we're loyal to you, Egypt. Come defend us, come help us, come rescue us. And they're, they're crying out. They're not coming together in, in different groups to, to form a strong army because they don't get along. Maybe you're familiar with some of the turbulence that happens in the Middle East where there's varying degrees of the, the divisions within Islam. And they will not get along. There's divisions within Mormons. There's d divisions in different groups. They're not ever going to say, you know what, our entire group was wrong and we submit you guys have been right all along. 
It's not going to happen. So they appealed to, to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh, he was hamstrung from when Egypt was devastated when Israel left out 40 years earlier. There are no Amarna letters from Jericho. None. They had no time. They had no time. No letters from Jericho. Now, 40 years earlier, when Israel was in the desert, you remember what happened. They sent in the spies. They sent 12 spies. Go spy out the land, Moses. And the Lord told Moses, Moses dispatched the spies. They went in, and they looked at the land, and they came back, and they were filled with fear. It's in Numbers 13. I'll just read verse 28. However, this is what they said. The people, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. They're fortified up to heaven, out the wazoo. There's no way we're going to get in there. There's no hope for us. And then they talk about the giants and all this. And you remember that Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who stood up and said, hey, hey, the Lord told us to go. Let's not disobey. And so even in Sunday school, I learned the song. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad. Two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad. Two were good. Anybody else learn this song? No? Okay, I'm from a different generation completely then. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes in clusters long. Some, too, saw God was in it all. Ten were bad. Two were good. That's the whole, just a teaching. Now, here we come under Joshua's reign. Forty years, that whole generation died. Joshua is now at the door of Jericho. This conquest is about to begin. And they're filled with fear in the city. Go back just to Joshua chapter 2, just a couple chapters back, because Joshua, he says, you know, let's don't send 12. Let's don't send a committee. Let's send two. Two worked out pretty good last time. Let's send two and have them spy out the land. Joshua 2 and uh, verse 8, before the men, the two spies laid down, they're inside the city. She, and it's speaking of Rahab, came up to them on the roof. And Rahab said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Isn't that profound? And that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. This is before they crossed the dry Jordan River. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. I mean, Rahab is just preaching right here right? She's declaring a statement of, I know who your God is. I've heard of him. And I, remember the Amarna letters? Hey, Pharaoh, come rescue us. That's what she is doing. Is there room in your group for me to worship your God? Will your God receive me? A fortress like Jericho could only be defeated through several ways. One, a siege. Just sit outside of the city and wait them out till they run out of food, 
run out of water, run out of resources, or die of disease from inside. Well, that didn't happen here. Trying to get them to just go into submission. Another way would be breach the walls. Right, You've got to think of like Lord of the Rings type level here. Coming in with the battering rams, coming in with the, the large creatures carrying different, all kinds of implements. The ladders that they can put up on the walls, scale the tall, high walls, and send enough people up. You're going to lose a lot of numbers going at them. But somehow you have to either go over the wall, through the wall, or you can try and dig under the wall. But the wall is a barrier, and they didn't have drones or planes or anything else. So there they are. There's another way, and it's the way of deceit, kind of like the Trojan horse. Hey, look at this gift. Wow, isn't this great? Open the gates. Bring in this wonderful present, and we'll look into it tomorrow. Everybody have a good night. Party, <laughs> right? It didn't go so well. So do you read right here in the first part of this, the city is shut down. We're not going to be deceived by anybody coming like, yeah, I've been traveling a long time. <laughs> I need some water. I just need water. You know, oh, he's part of the elite crew, you know, the band of brothers here. And ah, we got your city. So there's nobody going in, nobody going out. They already have a problem they know with Rahab and what happened and people stayed in her house so nobody's coming in, nobody's going out. And there they sit. Humanly impossible situation. So let me ask you this morning. We're reading about this humanly impossible situation, but what situations are you facing? Maybe it's financial. This economy, cost of everything just keeps going up, but maybe your paycheck is not going up. And you're saying, Lord, what do I do? I don't know how to make ends meet. And humanly, it seems impossible. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe there's strained or broken relationships in, in your family, in your life. And you know you have tried and you pray and you love, but you know I can't humanly make this happen. I cannot humanly restore this relationship. There's brokenness here. There's rebellion here. And I love them, but I cannot... I cannot make them be reconciled. I cannot do that. Maybe you have internal struggles. Just your own thoughts. Maybe depression or anger or lust or whatever it may be. And internally, you know, I've tried this and I've tried that. And humanly, for me to have victory in this area of my life, I will acknowledge it's humanly impossible for me to defeat this enemy. Maybe it's spiritual turmoil. People that you know, they have not yet come to faith in Christ and you've been praying for them. And you love them, but you cannot make them believe. Maybe it's you. And you've been trying to save yourself. Well, I, I went to church and I was baptized and I give and I sing and I do and I serve and I do all these things and it, it never seems to be enough and I can't get my head above water and I still feel defiled inside and unworthy. You can't save yourself. You have to come to the point that you realize it's humanly impossible for me to rescue me or anybody else. As a church, what are we facing? I've already mentioned it, 30 Mile. We plan on building a place to worship right there. And humanly, we can't just say, hey, at the next meeting, let's just get it done. Okay? The Lord has provided but we're waiting on the Lord to provide more. We're waiting on costs to come down. We're looking and planning and praying because we're not going to go into a financial burden for future generations that they can't bear. 
So we'll trust and we'll wait and we'll go this way and this way and we'll try all different options, but we're waiting and humanly it's impossible for that to happen. So we're not going to be bitter and we're not going to be, you know, wasting the time that we have. We're thankful and filled with gratitude for what the Lord has done and is doing. We simply want what the Lord is doing here exposed and open to all of our community. There are people, thousands of people within this place right here that still, they're trying to save themselves. They don't know about the Lord Jesus Christ yet. They don't know him as Lord and Savior. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Number two, he also gives to us his promise for salvation and victory. And notice this happened before it was even done. And in the mind of God, it was a done deal. Hey, Joshua, you see that city over there? <laughs> yeah, Lord, that city how are we going to get through those walls? Yeah, I have given it. All I've done, Joshua, I have it all wrapped up with a bow on it, buddy. There it is. I, it's already done. It's a gift to you, but you're actually going to take that gift and give it back to me. You see what he says? See? Hey, jo uh, Joshua, take a minute and look. Okay, yeah, I look. No, no, look again. You see that city? That humanly impossible city? Yeah, see it, Lord. I have given, have given Jericho into your hand with his king and mighty men of valor. Don't be afraid of the king. Don't be afraid of the walls. Don't be afraid of their mighty men. This is around 1400 BC. This promise from God is in the prophetic perfect tense or past perfect tense. He has said it as if it is already done, accomplished, finished. Joshua, do you trust me? God promised the salvation of Rahab the harlot and all of her household, and his promise would not fall one bit. It would not fall short one iota. The spies promised Rahab, we will, we will deliver you. We will spare you. And she delivered them. Remember they, Joshua 2, they went out and they said, now leave that cord in your window, that scarlet cord, you leave it there. Because that's a sign that you haven't changed your mind. And this oath, this covenant, this promise is still intact. And our God will save you and will deliver you. And he did. The Lord kept his word to this woman. And he extended mercy to her, but he didn't just stop there. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Okay, so you didn't die with the rest of Jericho and you all deserve to die. And we all deserve to die as well for our sin. Okay, but instead of just saying, okay, here's Rahab and her mom and her dad and her family, and, and we're going to set them outside of the camp, and there you go, you're alive, sorry about your city, but God bless, that's not what the Lord did. He said, wait a second, let me take this woman, and let me show her mercy, she's not going to die, and let me go beyond that and show her my hesed, my steadfast love. Well, how much did he show Rahab his steadfast love? Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Look at the, the lineage of King David. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. He took this woman all the way from a foreign nation, all the way, not just to spare her alive, brought her all the way in to the line of Christ. 
Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, Matthew 1, 5. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. That's King David's great-great-grandmother, Rahab the harlot. It's incredible. And following up Rahab, you have Ruth, the Moabitess. Another example of God's great salvation, not just for good people, because there aren't any good people. He will save anyone who comes repenting of their sin and trusting in him alone. So we can take comfort and we can take great confidence in the word of the Lord. You know, Jesus said it this way, John 6, 37. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Do you hear it said in the same way, the promise? Whoever comes to me, all the Father gives me will come to me. All the Father gives to me will come to me. You can put it back up on the screen. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. It's a done deal. All the Father has given to Jesus will come. So let that ease your tension when you're sharing the gospel, knowing with confidence that the Lord knows who will come to him. I don't. I'm just simply called to be obedient and share the gospel. And then listen to what Jesus says in John 16 and verse 33. As we face these humanly impossible situations, here's a promise from Jesus. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Now that... That can kind of put you in fear, right? Here's the promise from Jesus. You're going to have trials and trouble and difficulty, tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. All you're looking at is the walls, Joshua. No, 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 no. I've I've made the heavens and the earth. We read it in our reading today in the Psalms that the Lord looks far down on the inhabitants of the earth. Like he just doesn't look over a little bit. He looks a long way down to get to the richest, wealthiest, powerful person, nation, people. He looks far down. Oh, there you are down there, great king. Wait, I can almost see you. Yeah, there you are. It's descriptive. His plan for moving forward, he also gives to us. The the Lord tells to Joshua, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march. You're going to take these groups with you. It's a most unusual plan to the Israelites. All right, it's time for the huddle. Joshua gathers everybody together. How are we going to defeat Jericho? All right, I got the plan from the Lord. All right, get the leaders together. What are we going to do? You know, somebody's sharpening a sword, doing whatever. He's like, yeah, you're not going to need that yet, but put that away, and here's the plan. We're going to march. March? Uh Uh-huh. And we're going to march one time around, six days, one time, seventh day, seven times around, and then we're going to shout. And then the Lord said, he's going to take care of the walls. They're going to fall flat. Okay. Wow. That's unusual. Um, That's almost foolish. I'm sure somebody left scratching their head that meeting, like, I don't know about this. (laughs) You know, we thought Moses was bad. Woo, Joshua is, he's been hanging out with Moses. This This is on the edge of insanity here. Yeah, well, this is also true of the gospel that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says in verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly 
to those who are perishing. Just foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is not folly. It's not foolishness. It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. I will put it down. So we see that the details are given. March around the city. One time, six days, seven days, seven times. Shout, the Lord will drop the walls. Then you get the order of the procession we read in this chapter. There's armed guards, there's priests, they have seven trumpets, and then there's the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and then there's the rear armed guard. And then there's to be solemnness in this procession, that there was only the sound that would come would be from the constant blowing of the trumpets by the priests, that they would hear this, this droning sound, the trumpets would be constantly blowing as they were going. There was to be no talking, right? Dads, that's how we want to roll on vacation, right? Like, no more talking. Everybody quiet, you know, turn my radio up, turn it off, whatever, like quiet. I need some peace. I, you know, I, I can't see, I, it's too loud, you know, whatever those comments are that we say that make no sense. Can't see, too loud. What does hearing have to do with seeing? It does, trust me. No talking. And, and think about this. Stop and consider what is happening here. Stop and consider the salvation of the Lord. Maybe you find at times when something is difficult or uncomfortable and you just start talking uncomfortably and you, you just, just, you know, you go off into some tangent or some other direction and, and you just like don't know what to do and so you just start talking. And the Lord is telling through Joshua to the people, hey, shh, this isn't about you. That city that's humanly impossible, I'm giving you the plan, and it's not about you. And don't miss that, and don't make it about you. It's all about me. I'm the God of heaven and earth, and I will give you this city, Joshua. I've already given it to you. So important. Joshua, in the, just a couple chapters before, chapter 5, he meets with the, the commander of the Lord, the and he meets with him and he says, Who, whose side are you on? And the commander, the angel of the Lord is like, I'm not the wrong question, buddy. Whose side are you on? I'm on, I'm on the side of the Lord. I'm the Lord. There's my side and then there's everybody else. The question isn't whose side are you on? Who are you going to fight for? Isn't that easy for us to get into that kind of a mode of I'm sure the Lord is on the side of the people that look like me and think like me and live where I live and vote like I vote. I'm sure he's on my side and everybody else. And we want to easily say whose side is the Lord on and we want to try to cram him into our, he's this way. That's the wrong question. And Joshua learned the answer. Joshua, whose side are you on? And he found out that Rahab, the Lord, Rahab was on the Lord's side. He redeemed her and he gave his salvation. So there's solemnness in this procession. And then there's the statement about this procession. As they march around the city, and there they go, and they got the seven priests and the seven, and they got the armed guard, and the trumpets are blowing, and the Ark of the Covenant, and an armed guard, and they're watching, and they're going around. Here's what the children of Israel are, are proclaiming. The Ark of the Covenant is a symbol that the Lord is with us. He's not with you. He's with us. And if you're on the other side of the walls, you're like, what is that Ark? And what is the trumpet? And what's this going on? And who's their God? 
that destroyed Egypt, parted the Red Sea, and made them cross the Jordan on dry ground. And, and how come we don't have that God? Like, I think, like, my God falls over when I'm dusting my shelf and I have to set it back up. It can't even set itself back up yet. And I'm trusting it to save my soul? Something's wrong here. So this plan for the people in Jericho was a joke. They'd never seen this kind of a battle happen. It's a spectacle. There they are. They're inside of Jericho. They've got the walls, the six feet, the 12 feet, the double walls, high up. Everybody locked out, can't come in, can't go out. And there they are, and they're all ready for battle. And then they see... What are they doing? What are they doing? Like... Well, are we ready? Oh, they're coming around, they're coming around. And then they're going back to their tent, their tents. What was that about? Are they going to throw their trumpet at us? Like, watch the box. I think the box. I think the box is going to, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, something's going to happen. They're going to open it up or something. I don't know. Day two, day three, day four, day five. By day six, like, come on, grab your drink, get your chair. This is incredible. If this is what, they're going to wear themselves out. If this is their plan of attack, guys, we're all, bring everybody. Get on the wall and watch this. And then day seven, we've seen this before. Oh, here they go. They're going to go back home. No, they're going around again. And around again. And how many times is that? That's like six times. And that's like, oh, I mean, count that's seven times. There's seven times. And they get around, and then all of a sudden they stop. They're not going back to their tents. And then it's a different trumpet blast. It's a trumpet blast like it's on. It's a call to arms. And then the people, now it's time. They haven't said anything. And now it's time for them to shout. And they obey the word of the Lord and they shout. And every wall and everyone on those walls falls to their death. Now, the people of God heard the promise of God. They heard what was going to happen. But they didn't understand how that was going to all pan out. Like, you've heard of things. Oh, yeah, you should see the Grand Canyon. And then when you pull up to the edge and you're like, oh, yeah, let's just hike a little ways down in. <laughs> good luck with that. All right? You better pack a good lunch and a lot of water. Because people die in there thinking, I was just going to walk down to the river down there. You know, there's water down there. And, and then they see this happen. What does the Lord also give? Number four is presence in every battle. And that's symbolized in the trumpets, and it's symbolized in the ark, and it's explicit in the presence of the Lord. He is with them. We see it in, even in verse 27. It's just the whole key to the whole thing. So the Lord was with Joshua. That's the difference. was symbolized in the trumpets. The priests were signaling that God is here. He reigns. We're not alone. We're not coming in secretly. We're not afraid. The trumpets are also significant with the Feast of Trumpets, the presence of the Lord, the, the coming of the Lord. As we approach, we'll get into Revelation and what announces the second coming of the Lord it's the trumpet. It's a trumpet sound. 
The Ark of the Covenant is there inside of the tables of the law that we have the presence of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord. He is with us. And all of these people haven't seen the cross and the empty tomb yet. They're putting their faith in the God that they can't see and survive. Moses was simply in the cleft of the rock and the Lord pulled back and let him see the backside of his glory and his face was glowing for a while. And these people, they're trusting in the Lord and we've seen an empty tomb. The presence of the Lord is with us. What do we have to fear? What what are we to be afraid of? Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. It's all mine. You better be able to back that claim up. Well, you walk out of a tomb. So what does he say to his followers, his disciples? 19, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold. Read it with me. I am with you always to the end of the age. We're never alone. So I mentioned all of those things that you might be facing right now that I'm facing that are humanly impossible but are you forgetting that if you're in Christ, you're not alone? Are you hearing the story of Rahab if you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ that he will receive you? He will forgive you. He died for you. Not because you deserve it, but because he is worthy and he is good and he is gracious. Number five, he also graciously gives his power for my obedience. I make this personal here because it's easy for us, you know, like, well, I hope I preach this message and everybody listening will be obedient. You know, that's great, but wise, how about your obedience? Oh, I hope the person, I hope my spouse is listening to this this morning. I hope my kids are listening to this. They need to obey. That's what they need to do. Yeah, he gives his power for my obedience. The Israelites obeyed and the Lord gave the victory. They followed the word of the Lord just like they did when, when they were being bitten by the serpents. Look and live. Look and live. They followed the word of the Lord. There's significance in the number seven. It represents completion or perfection. In 2 Kings 5, 10 and 14, it's where Naaman is in that foreign country and that little servant girl realizes he has leprosy and he's tried everything and nothing's helping him here. And she says to her her master's wife, and she says, you know, if, you're, if your husband, if my master was back in Israel, the prophet, the man of God could heal him. We don't even have a record of that happening. And here's this little servant girl who has no fear, and she just goes and says, you know, I've seen all your gods over here. They ain't nothing compared to my God. And if my master was back with, you know, the man of God, now let me tell you, there's a God who can do something. And what's the word? He goes to the king. Hey, king, I heard you can heal me. Ah, rips his clothes. Well, am I God? And then he's, and the man of God, you know, Elisha sends word. Get, get the guy. Come, send him over here. 
He comes over to Elisha's house. Elisha says, here's my message. He didn't even go to the door for this distinguished man, you know, the, this commander of the armies. Of, no, he doesn't even go to the door. He says, go dip in the Jordan River, uh, River how many times? Seven. And the guy's offended. What? He didn't even come talk to me. Do you know who I am? Yeah, you're the leper. I, not that. I'm the commander. You're a leper. And that's what his servant says as he's storming off to go home unchanged. Hey, uh, if he would have asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done it? You're all the way here. You've taken plenty of baths at home, and you're still a leper. Why don't you do what the man of God said? Turn a chariot around. He goes back, and I want to see that DVD, when I, you know, whatever it is, clip something in heaven of him <laughs> dipping one time. What is it? I'm no better. Two, three, four, five, six. This is no better. This is stupid. People are looking at me. This is ridiculous. This is foolish. He said seven. <laughs> seven. You're at six. You need seven. That's what the man of God said. Seven times, and he comes up, and his skin is like a baby's skin. Seven times. And number seven, it's, it's represented for completion. Seven trumpets, seven priests, seven times around, seven days, the seventh day, seven times. Like there's a message here of this, this plan is perfect. This is God's way. He is perfect. And this is his plan. It's perfect. You can trust him. You can't trust in your plan, but you can trust in God's plan. And that seventh day, the seventh time, and they shouted, and the walls, they felt, they, they went flat, as in down into the ground flat. And they found that in archaeological digs. It's incredible. And they're like, I guess we should go in now. <laughs> and they went in and almost obeyed the Lord entirely. You have to read the next chapter for their disobedience. We don't have time to do that today. Romans chapter 10 there's Rahab's house. Now, wouldn't it have been interesting to be there and all, there's just one, house, one section of the wall still standing? Like, why didn't that section fall? Oh, you see that cord? That's Rahab's section. Everybody in there, not disappointed, not failed. The word of the Lord is true. Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone, including Rahab, who believes in him will not be disappointed, put to shame, let down. For there's no distinction between the Jew and Greek, Gentiles. No distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. That's, that's what was wrong with Joshua's question to the commander of the army of the Lord. Whose side are you on? I'm the commander over everyone and everything, everywhere. Whose side are you on? For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. That's Jesus. To anyone who calls on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, read it with me, will be saved. So what's the question that we have to ask after that? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you confessed him as Lord? Have you confessed your sin, admitted your sin, admitted you cannot save yourself, and put your faith and trust in Jesus? That's what Rahab did. I'm trusting in your God. And the Lord delivered her. They conquered the city. 
It was the first city placed under the ban. Everything was devoted to the Lord. It was his. It wasn't for their conquest. It wasn't for their resume. It wasn't to bolster up their portfolio. This was the Lord's. This was like a tithe. You give this to me. This isn't yours. And if you trust me, I'll provide. That's how we are to give our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure, our family to the Lord. Give first to the Lord and trust him for all that is to come. Now, in archaeological digs, they found some of these evidence, fortified city with a fortified wall, that the wall fell in an odd way. It didn't fall like it was pushed in. It fell down and it fell outward to the ground. There were jars of grain that they found in homes at this level of the dig, and that reflects that the conquest happened during the spring. The siege of Jericho was short. There was still a large supply of food. The Egyptians marched in war during the harvest. They took all the grain. They still had grain buried in the city. Whoever conquered the city left all the spoil. They didn't take it for themselves. They found in the digs that this this city was burned with a massive fire at that level widespread destruction houses were found against the wall at the d level of this dig just like what we read about in rahab's house in joshua 2 and in joshua 6 so where does this put us our last gracious gift from the lord is our preparation for greater things to come it's our preparation for greater things to come it's not to live in the past It's not to just stay stuck on all the successes or maybe even failures of the past. Joshua in verse 26, he pronounced a curse on the city of Jericho. Don't rebuild this city. The Lord took this city down. Don't rebuild this city. In 1 Kings 16.34, somebody ignored the word of God. Eh, that's been a long time ago. Surely that's not a big deal. In his days, 1 Kings 16.34, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of them. The Lord's word is always true. It's always trustworthy. The fame and the reputation of Joshua was like wildfire. It began to spread throughout the land of Canaan. This is a servant of the Lord. Their God is not like any other God. He does battle the way no other God does battle. He is not the same as our silver, wood, and clay idols. He is a living God. Just think about the contrast between what happens in the next chapter with the man named Achan who ignores the word of God and he takes some loot. He takes some stuff. And look at the contrast between Rahab and Joshua 2, a Canaanite woman. A Joshua 7, Achan's an Israelite man. Rahab, her family survives, but her people perish. Achan, his family perished, but his nation prospered. Joshua hid the spies on her roof and Achan hid the loot under his tent. In Joshua 2, all the sheep and the cattle and the donkeys of Jericho perish. But in Joshua 7, the cattle and the sheep and the donkeys of Achan perish. Rahab, she's only heard about the God of Israel and she obeyed. Achan has been front row. He's seen, he knows the God of Israel and he disobeyed. Rahab is an object forever of blessing and forever Achan is an object of shame, of disobeying the word of the Lord. 
we've experienced countless of these gifts from the Lord. And now, you and I have to trust him as we take the next steps forward. What is your next step of obedience? What's your next step in following Christ? So much has been accomplished. So much has been accomplished for God's glory and for our good. Do you realize the Lord gives these graciously to us? Is that how we see suffering and trials, humanly impossible situations, economy, things, all these? Do we receive that as the Lord is graciously reminding me that I need to not trust in me, but I must trust in him? Do we understand his promises given to us for our salvation and for our victory? He gives us the plan to move forward, to not stay stuck, to not stay in yesterday, but to realize there's a plan. He is going to use my life and he can use it however he wants to use it. His presence is with us in every battle. He gives the power for your obedience and my obedience. And all of this, he's preparing us for greater things to come in this lifetime. And the Bible says that in eternity, he will lavish his love on his bride, the church, saints, for all eternity. It doesn't stop when we die. It just gets going. So let me ask you the question. What's the most difficult situation you're facing right now? What's the most difficult situation that you're facing right now? And how is the presence and power of the Lord in your life enabling you to obey, leading you to greater obedience? As we approach the Lord's table, loved ones, we're to remember him, to love him, and to follow him, to obey him, not just out of fine, okay, but to obey him with all of our hearts. And we need his help to do that. That's humanly impossible. That's why he gives us his spirit. Will you stand with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for the trials that you bring into our lives, the testing that you bring into our lives that remind us and teach us that we must trust in you completely. We're not to trust in our own selves, but to trust in you. Oh God, I thank you that your promise is given. Your plan is clear in your word for how we are to live in a way that pleases you. Your presence is with us. We don't face any temptation alone, but with every temptation you make a way of escape. So help us to take the way of escape and keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord. Thank you that you give us the power to obey by your spirit. And all of this that you are doing, you are preparing us. You are preparing us to use us for your glory and for the good of all peoples. So we submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.